May I uh, invite all of you, please, to open your Bibles. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, which is the Gospel that we are dealing with during this year. Gospel of Luke. And in particular, I want you to open it to chapter 10. Chapter 10 of the Gospel of Luke and verse 38, which is the gospel reading that was just uh, read a moment ago by Diane. Chapter 10 of Luke, verse 38. Now, how many of you, or, or how many of you have not ever heard this story about Mary and Martha? I think it's uh, probably one of those stories that is well known by everyone on on, uh, that has ever listened to the gospel, uh, Martha, Martha, right? And how many of you uh, have uh, recognized a little bit of Martha and a little bit of Mary uh, in you? You know, whether you're male or female, uh, I think we all uh, have seen a little bit of Martha's in us and a little bit of Mary's. Uh, but let's see what else we can we can see in this in this passage. Uh, when we read this portion of the gospel and we put it in, in its context, in its gospel context, um, we need to recognize, first of all, that this event occurs in the life of Jesus while Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem from Galilee. Okay? Jesus has done most of his ministry in the north, in the area of Galilee. Most of the healings of Jesus, most of the great teachings of Jesus have all done, been done in the, in the northern area, in the area of Galilee, and around the surrounding areas of the Sea of Galilee, in Capernaum, Beth, Bethany, uh, Bethsaida, uh, Nazareth, uh, and some of the other places in, in the area. But uh, in chapter 9 of the Gospel of Luke, we, if you read it, you would see that Jesus has already gone out to the Mount uh, Hermon and has met with Elijah and has met with Moses that appeared to him. And there is the transfiguration uh, of, of Jesus uh, and his glory just shines. I mean, his glory shines the glory that he had before uh, with the Father. And we know, we know that something of the conversation that must have occurred between um, Moses and Elijah and Jesus probably had something to do with Jesus, it's time to go down and die. And the reason we know that is that that is the pivotal moment in which Jesus begins to announce his death. And he begins to announce that he's going to go down to Jerusalem uh, and die. Okay? So, we know that this event that takes place uh, today, uh, or that we're looking at today, uh, happens in the context of Jesus journaling or, or journeying toward Jerusalem. In fact, in chapter 9, verse 51, it says, Now it came to pass... When the time had come for him to be received up, okay, so we're already being told that the time had come for Jesus to die, the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly 
set his face to go to Jerusalem. So that happened before this event that we're looking at. And then another uh, passage in Luke 13 verse 22, which is after the event that we're looking at, it says, And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. So if we at all believe that, and I, I believe that, that, that the gospel is written with some chronological order, I would have to say that this event that happens in the house of Mary and Martha takes place between these two chapters, or, or these two verses. So when I look at chapter 9, I look at chapter uh, uh, 13, uh, I see that in the middle of those two passages, there's all kinds of things happening in the life of Jesus. He's journeying toward Jerusalem. He's journeying, he meets, he goes to places where he's not received. And so he decides to deviate and if you uh, take a look at the map, you can see that Jesus starts at Galilee, kind of comes to Samaria, and then he's not received in Samaria and his disciples are not. So he cuts across the Jordan River to eventually enter toward Jerusalem through the, through, from the east through Jericho. So he, he kind of does those two loops as he's walking toward Jerusalem and toward the cross. Now where exactly in that journey, where exactly in that journey uh, these verses that, that we read today take place, it, it's very hard to pinpoint. I mean, we, we don't know because between those two verses of chapter 9 and chapter 13, there's very little indication as to where Jesus is when he encounters different people and when he does different things. So we don't know at what point uh, this event at the house of Mary and Martha take place. It could very well be in Bethany, and the event may even be out of chronological order, because we know, for example, that Mary and Martha and her brother, their brother Lazarus, lived in Bethany. We know that. We know that from John. And we know that uh, because that's where Jesus resurrected Lazarus, in Bethany. However, in the chronological order of Luke, this event does not occur because he, in Bethany because he's not yet come to Bethany. So, but then Luke, I don't know that he had a specific intent to keep everything chronologically as much as he wanted us to know the things that happened in the life of Jesus as he was journeying toward Jerusalem. But he could very well be at Bethany. We know that's where there was a house and, and Lazarus and Mary and, and Martha were there and that's where they had a home and that's where they entertained Jesus several times. In the area of Bethany. From this gospel in Luke. And from the gospel of John. We know that Jesus had a very special and intimate relationship with his family. Amen. You know that? They were very good friends. In fact it doesn't seem that Jesus passes by the area without somehow going to visit their, their friends. And um, we know, for example, 
this story about a dinner that Martha put on for Jesus. We also know that when Lazarus gets sick, the first person they call is Jesus. Martha and Mary immediately send messengers to Jesus and say, Our, My brother, you're the, the one that you love is, is sick. And Jesus delays several days. And then when he eventually gets to the area of Bethany, Lazarus is dead. You know the story. And Martha comes running, Lord, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says, show me where you buried him. Remove the stone. Oh, he's been buried four days. Remove the stone. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. And we know he calls Lazarus out. And Lazarus comes out and is resurrected from the dead. We also know from John 11 that there is another dinner that is thrown at the house of Lazarus and Mary and Martha in honor of Jesus. And as Jesus is kind of laying down at the table, Mary comes from behind him and takes a perfume, a very costly perfume, and pours it all over him and anoints his feet and anoints his head. So we know that this relationship existed between this family and Jesus. We seem to know, I think we have every indication to be able to say to you, that Martha may have been the older of the two sisters. Now in this dinner, Lazarus is not mentioned. But we are told as we read the Gospel of Luke about this particular dinner that we're dealing with, it says, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. Okay, it's her house. It's not Mary's. It's her house. So it may very well be that she's the older of the two sisters and she's kind of taken a control, possession, ownership of this house and the, uh, the house chores and the house responsibilities and, and so on and so on. So if we accept that, that possibly she's the older of the two, we can get it from, from that point. Now, one thing that is very, 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 very important that we all understand. This event about Mary and Martha and the struggle between them that brings Jesus into it as well, has nothing to do with one being more saved than the other. Amen? It has nothing to do with one being more saved than the other. It has nothing to do with Mary being more faithful than Martha. It has nothing to do with one being more converted than the other. It has nothing to do about one loving Jesus or being loved by Jesus more than the other. It has nothing to do with any of those things. Let me tell you, all of you are different. And all of you are saved. We are just different from one another based on character, personalities, and priorities. But it doesn't mean that 
you are more saved than somebody else, or you are more loved by, G by Jesus than somebody else, or you love Jesus more than anyone else. At times we all act differently because our love is reflected differently. Our responsibilities lead us to different paths. And this is the situation here with Mary and Martha. This event that we are going to look at today is an event that has to do about two believers. Two believers that love Jesus approaching life and approaching Jesus completely different from each other. Based on their characters, based on their personalities, and based on the priorities they have set in their lives. So just because you're busier than another person doesn't make you less loved by Jesus or more loving than Jesus than someone who perhaps is not acting the same way as you are. Sometimes it may be that's the reason, but not always. This event that we are looking at in the life of Jesus is really about two kingdoms. It's about two kingdoms and two worlds. One of these kingdoms is earthly and worldly and worldly. And the other kingdom is heavenly and divine. The issue is how do we live within these two kingdoms with the tension that both of these kingdoms seem to demand on us. There is tension between these two kingdoms and we are caught in it. One of the kingdoms we live in by necessity. We live in this world. We have needs in this world. We have concerns in this world. We have to care about family. We have to care about work. We have to care about health. We have to care about others. Others have to care about us. We have to care about the church that Jesus Christ has given us. In this world in which we live, there are necessities that require our attention. And we get anxious about all sorts of things in this earthly world. But Jesus said, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. So one of the kingdoms we live into by necessity, unless you want to go home already, which some of you may. But while we live on earth, we're going to have the tension of the needs of life. You see, the other kingdom is not by necessity, it's by choice. We choose the kingdom of God because we recognize that eternity is in that kingdom and this world is passing away with all its pressures and pleasures and necessities. Eventually, we may spend all our life making our lives here great and lose eternity. And we may sacrifice the things of this world and gain eternity. We live in the tension between the now and that that is to come. Between living this life 
in which we have necessities and living in that life or in that kingdom where all is in the hand of God and where we live for God and we worship God and we serve God and we look forward to that day in the heavens. I think what we have here in this event in the life of Mary and Martha is the clash that at times occur between the two kingdoms. The question, the question if we live in this world but are not of this world, is which one takes priority? Or perhaps which one do we give priority? Because we have to live within both. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. We live in this world, and this world has demands, depending how much we want to provide for our families and for others. It has demands. The issue is, in this tension, which one are we going to give the priority? When we look at this passage... We are told that Jesus entered a certain village. Again, we don't know the name of the village, whether it was Bethany or someplace else. I want to say to you that Martha gladly received Jesus into her home. I mean, by her busyness, I know how excited she was to have the Lord in her home. Amen? Martha was gladly welcoming him to her house and loved him enough that she wanted to provide the very best. You see that? She, she was going overboard to provide for her master, for her Lord, for Jesus. She wanted to prepare the best dishes. Not just one, but multiple ones. She wanted to impress Jesus. And to express her love for him. Because you know what? The way she worshipped was by doing. The way she was expressing her worship to Jesus was by doing everything she could in her house to provide for him. You know, some people worship by doing, and other people worship by doing something else. Worshiping, singing, devotion, prayer. Some people are very prayerful, other people are more doers. Martha seems to be a doer. Mary, on the other hand, Mary is just as glad... To receive Jesus in the house too. She is so happy that he's there. But I want to propose to you. That Mary was happy to see Jesus. Martha just wanted to do for Jesus. One put the emphasis on him. The other one on what she could do for him. 
So Mary sits at the feet of Jesus, yes, to receive him, to welcome him. He was the focus, not what she could do for Jesus. And she spends time just sitting at, at, at his feet, absorbing, questioning, getting everything that was coming out of the Lord. He was the focus, not what she could do for Jesus. In chapter 11 of John, we see how she worshipped Jesus by pouring the oil. That was her way of sacrificing and, and, and pouring the oil on the Lord. You see, the way I, I look at it at times, works versus devotion. You see? Martha felt she needed to do for Jesus. Mary wanted Jesus. And so her attention, her priority was to sit at his feet and absorb Everything that he had to, to teach. Her hunger and thirst was Jesus. Not what she could do for Jesus. Which was the issue with Martha. The reality is that the, in the kingdom of God. Jesus was actually turning this thing upside down. He was the host. They were the guests. In the earthly kingdom. They were the host, but he was the guest. But the reality is that that was a kingdom moment. And Jesus was ushering the kingdom of God into their home, bringing it home to them. And Mary chose to pay attention to Jesus while Martha got busy to provide for Jesus. Well... Let me ask you this. When do you think you have provided enough for Jesus? Because I, I don't know I can ever do enough for Jesus. I, I really don't. That's the issue between works and grace. I don't know how much I can do for God. I don't know when it's enough to please God. All I know that faith and grace is what works to please the Lord. Nothing else. Martha gets so busy about providing that it eventually gets over her head. And she becomes frustrated, obfuscated, angry, depressed, so busy, so anxious, so... See, the power of the kingdom of earth kind of took over her. And she kind of forgets who she's talking to. Because she doesn't, she doesn't seem to get mad at Mary. She gets mad at Jesus. Do you not care? What are you, blind? I'm working and working and working to provide for you. Mary's doing nothing. How unfair can you be? When are you going to get a hold of this thing? And tell Mary to get up from the floor and go help me. She gets on Jesus' case. Isn't she, doesn't she? She does at no point in the story does she say, Mary, come on over and help me. No. She gets on Jesus' case because he is the reason that Mary is there. Observing, watching, receiving. It's him. And he doesn't see how much she's working for him. 
and she gets so upset. Have you been there? However, your anxieties, your care for this world, your busyness, things don't work out the way you want to, and, and it keeps building and building and building, and you explode. And you blow up sometimes at God. And you blow up sometimes at people around you, your husband, your wife, your child. Because somehow the busyness of this world overtakes you. And you don't know how to let it go and let God. You don't know how to let go and let God. So Jesus kind of sets the priorities straight. Lovingly, because, I mean, the, the way that he says her name twice is actually kind of a loving thing. And, and he says, Martha, Martha, you are so anxious and troubled about so many things. Only one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen the correct portion. He's not talking about only one dish is needful. He's talking about only one thing in this situation is necessary. And it's that you put your priorities straight. This world, yes, we have to live in it. This world, yes, it has its demands. Yes, we have responsibilities. But when you put the necessities of this world ahead of the calling of God in the kingdom of God, you have just tilted the balance in such a way that you are not a recipient anymore. You are now earning by your doing the presence of the kingdom in your life. Martha, Martha. Jose, Jose. I can say your names. Oh boy, how we live so busy in this life, don't we? How many nights of restless tossing to and fro do we spend? How many nights we go to bed, we think we're going to have a great night's sleep, at least for a change, and two o'clock comes and you're still awake, and three o'clock comes and, and you sleep a little and you toss a little and you're so worried about tomorrow and what you're going to do tomorrow and what's going to happen tomorrow, and, 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 and then you get up in the morning and, and let me tell you, we, we live at work, don't we? From morning sometimes to night. And then we come home and, and we're busy at home and there's financial problems and then there's the kids' problem. No matter how old they get, they still have a problem. <laughs> the issue is whether your priorities are straight or not in the kingdom of God. 
Do, how much time do you spend sitting at the feet of Jesus? Because let me tell you, when you sit at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus comes into your heart and into your life, the peace that passes all understanding will replace the anxiety and the turmoil in which we live. The more we are in the presence of Almighty God, the more we allow Him space in us, the more that we can handle things. Uh, Barbara read uh, the first lesson today, and one of the striking passages is there. Uh, it says there, for nothing is impossible or nothing is too hard for God. I mean, I, I keep coming to that verse Nothing is too hard for God. It sounds like what the angel said to, to, uh, to Mary. For nothing is impossible for God. How is that going to be? Nothing is impossible for God. I read not too long ago in a, in a little devotional that I have. That our worries, anxieties, concerns, preoccupations are just a sign that we're not trusting God enough. Oh man, that hit me square on the face. That when we worry, when we panic, when we live in a panic, is the fact that we're not trusting that God will indeed provide or cares enough for us. So we have to provide for ourselves. We have to worry by, for ourselves. Let me uh, give you a, a brief picture of the priority that Jesus sets. Jesus speaks about the priority of the kingdom is to sit at his feet. He says, she has chosen the right portion. How much time do you spend in study? How many of you, the only study you get is when you come on Sundays? How many of you are, are willing to say the only time I get into the Word is when a sermon is preached on Sunday? The rest of the time, I'm not in the Word. How many of you put busyness ahead of prayer? Because we all do. How many of us have our priorities not straight? I use a simple illustration that, that to me it's how I function a little bit, how I function as a pastor, not just for me. But for example, I use a baseball diamond. We're, we're in baseball season and I know that Tom understands baseball, okay? Uh, but we, we are in the baseball season. And if I ask Tom to come up here, I know you cannot read too much the words. Don't worry about the words. I just want you to see the baseball diamond. Baseball is rather a simple game to understand. You take a bat. You go to the bottom there, which is home plate. And the pitcher throws a ball at you. And the idea is hit the ball in such a way that nobody can get it before you can get to first base. Or home if you hit a home run. The object of the game is that you're going to go to first base, then you're going to go to second base, you're going to go to third base, and you're going to score by hitting home again. Right? The team with the most runs around the bases, wins the game. And there is no credit for anyone left on base 
areni ini. You may have the bases loaded all through the game, never touch home plate again, you don't win the game. One person comes up, hits a home run, they won the game. Right? The team that gets the most players to go to first base, second base, third base, and home, the team that does that the most is the team that wins the game. And believe me, in the Christian discipleship life, it's about winning the game. It's like running the race. When I look at a baseball diamond, and I set it for myself so that I can kind of diagram things, first base, each of you needs to come to home plate. And first base is Jesus. The first base in your life and in your walk with Christ is Jesus. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Because if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you didn't even get to first base. Right? That is the most important thing the moment you start playing this game. But once you get to first base... Your second base that you must also go to is what I call maturity in Christ. You cannot just stay and say, I know Jesus, but I don't need to mature. You must grow as a Christian. You must grow in the Lord. You must grow in the Word. You must grow as a disciple and imitator of Jesus. That's second base. You want to go to second base, you have to put effort into growing as a mature believer. There are many Christians who stay on first base the whole life. Their whole life. They never grow. They become babies. And they just stay on first base. They never score. Second base is maturity. Third base is what I call discovering your gifts. Discovering your particular ministries. What has the Lord called you to? Discover your gifts. Learn about your gifts. Be equipped in your gifts. Be equipped in your ministry. Whatever the Lord is calling you to, that's third base. And you score when you start exercising your ministries to the glory of God. Is what I call the mission gifts. It's going on missions, it's helping others, it's getting involved with the homeless, it's, it's doing the ministry in the name of Jesus. A mature believer who serves the Lord through others. You score when you know Jesus, mature in Jesus, discover your gifts, and put to work, and you're put to work because nobody scores by sitting on the dugout. Nobody scores sitting in the dugout. Nobody score if you are warming the bench. You have to get in the game and you have to run the bases and your team wins the more you are involved in the ministry. Now let me ask you this question. This is for you. I'm not going to answer this question. Where are you in this game? Have you gotten to first base? Is Jesus your Lord and your Savior? Are you sure of that? Have you gotten to second base? How are you maturing? Are you maturing the Lord? Are you involved in the Word? Are you involved with the Word? 
Are you involved in, 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 in small groups? Are you involved in, in whatever helps you mature? Conferences, studies, seminars. How are you maturing as a believer? Or are you still a baby that messes up at times? How are you maturing from first base to second base? Once you believe that you are somewhat mature, do you know your gifts? Have you received a calling from the Lord to serve? Do you need to develop those gifts? And then you score as a disciple of Jesus when you put those gifts to work. Where are you today in this baseball diamond? There is no... What shall I say? There is no benefit for men left on base at the end of the game. It doesn't matter how many times you got to first, how many times you got to second. If you never got around and scored, you did not help your team win. Where are you in your discipleship? Are you content just sitting on a base waiting for somebody else to run the the basis. Where are you today in your discipleship? Are you a Martha? Are you a Mary? What is your priority in life? Are you so busy that you cannot get to a Bible study? Are you so busy that you cannot start one at home? What is the priority that Jesus seems to tell us between Mary who wants Martha who wants to do for Jesus or Mary who wants to receive Jesus what's the priority Martha Martha you are so anxious and so many things about this life don't you know that at the end all the pieces go back in the box that this world is passing away, you don't get to take with you any of the things that you're so anxious about? If you put your focus on the kingdom, you will have eternal life. Do I hear an amen? Amen. I hope this little event in the life of Jesus speaks to you, and you will question whether you're trying to do for Jesus or you're trying Jesus to do for you. Stand with me, please.